Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, on today's podcast, we're very privileged to have a returning guest, uh, Simonetta Carr. Simonetta is well known as a writer of superb children's books, not simply superb for their content, but also superb for their production values. Uh, the work that she's done for Reformation Heritage books over the years, uh, the books that she's written for them are simply wonderful examples of children's literature for uh, Christian young people. And she's recently published a new book uh, in the Four Kids series from Chicago Review Press on Michelangelo. Michelangelo for kids, his life and ideas. And we want to talk today with Simonetta about uh, this book, this kind of new venture she's engaged in, and the significance of, of Michelangelo for Christians today, for, for children today. So welcome to the show, Simonetta. I am very glad to be back. It's great to have you back. If you remember last time you were on, you closed by telling us that your parents met in the confessional. And we said at that point in time, we've, well, we've got to have you back. Well, we're, we're not going to ask you about that just now. We're going to ask you about the okay. book. But uh, we, we had you slated for a return visit for a long time. It sounds like another book, really. Yes. <laughs> so, Simonetta, what gave you the idea of writing on, on Michelangelo? He's, he's well known, but he's not somebody one, one normally associates with the sort of the pantheon of Christian heroes, if you like. <laughs> Right, yeah, it was not my idea. It was um, um, I met uh, well, met online another writer. Uh, she writes for uh, different publishers, and she writes Christian books. But she also writes for this publisher, which is Chicago um, Review Press. And uh, I looked at her books, and I really liked this series in Chicago uh, Review Press for their. Uh, uh, just the appearance and, and the way they write their biographies was very similar to what I am doing. And so I was just thinking to try to write for them. I actually had different ideas. I wanted to write um, about the Reformation for Kids, <laughs> Protestant <laughs> Reformation for Kids, but they said no. <laughs> but, you know, I tried. And <laughs> So I, I, we went back and forth with ideas, and then they said, uh, uh, we've been looking for a long time for somebody to write about Michelangelo. And that was I was very happy to do that because, uh, uh, well, for many reasons. And uh, Michelangelo, for, for one thing, I, writing a book about Michelangelo is like writing a book about the Reformation somehow. You know, I can really talk about that because he lived through both the Reformation and Counter-Reformation. So there were many reasons, and one is he's, he's Italian, and I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides... No-brainer the, there. 
besides patriotism or whatever, I can uh, actually read his letters and poems in Italian, so it's completely different. It's, it's just uh, a better connection. Um, yeah, there were many reasons, and so I said yes. I actually hesitated at first because for two reasons. You know, One, it's uh, um, so many pictures of God and Jesus, and most of my readers are reformed and you know i i would was thinking maybe they object to that and also pictures of uh, uh statues in the nude um but i talked to my pastors and you know they encouraged me to do it so i did <laughs> There's a bit, i think a big difference between michelangelo's uh, sistine chapel and the, the typical pictures of Barry Gibb Jesus, as one of my students <laughs> dubbed him, that one finds in, in your average Christian junk shop. Um, so, and I must say, this is a beautifully produced it really book. Is. It really is quite really superb. Is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Simonetta, one of the um, questions that fascinate me as I was looking through um, the book on, online that you were kind enough to, to give us access to is, I, I've got a few thoughts about this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are some some good reasons why um, Reformed Protestants um, ought to know uh, about Michelangelo and the Renaissance and uh, that that portion of of history right around which was right around the the, the Protestant Reformation. But why is, why is it good for us uh, Reformed Protestants um, to learn about this man uh, for our children uh, to learn about him? Well, one reason, he, he was a very um, religious man in the sense he had a very profound faith. And uh, he lived uh, during the time of the Reformation, but he was not what we would consider reformed. Right. So I think it's very interesting to see how he he encountered the reformers, how he processed their message, how, and especially his his struggle. He he had much of the same struggle as Luther in some ways. He was, uh, you could tell in his uh, poems, even if he didn't uh, express it as openly, the struggle with sin, with the sinful nature, with the, uh, trying to please God, and and you can see it in his poems, uh, and, and his, in his paintings. Uh, if you look at them, you know if you know how to interpret them. But um, so I think it's very interesting to see someone who was not just the typical reformer that we read about, and you know goes through the usual. Um, process and and start serving God and and uh, writes books or whatever this is was completely different and I think it's you know it, it helped me a lot to read about him mm-hmm. mm, that's one reason yeah, yeah. just just to have a, a wider um, view of the reformation because it sometimes we have a black and white view mm-hmm. the you know, yeah, the everything, you know, it's either you're Roman Catholic or you're reformer, bad or good, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of in between. But I think the Reformation, there were a lot of people in that in between 
category. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you yeah. think it was so important for uh, the Catholic Church at that time to, for lack of a better word, contract with men like Michelangelo to produce the kind of art um, at that level that they they produced? Why was that such an important thing for for the Catholic Church? Well, I think it was to um, impress uh, Christians with, uh, you know, the magnificence of the church. And, um, yeah, you can see it especially in St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they were popes at that time. They were pretty much like uh, rulers, like mm-hmm. any ruler. And uh, rulers had, they were patrons of uh, artists and having artists work for you showed that you had uh, um, up your hand in right. some ways. It was, it was status. It, it was a status symbol. Yeah, wasn't it was it? a yeah. status symbol, and and so and the Pope could pay much better than right. most kings and rulers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. you get the best. One thing I really like about this book, as a children's book, and I want parents to be aware of this, is I really look at it as a, an interactive history book on Michelangelo. I mean, you just have so many great little sections in there. One that I really appreciated was just a little subsection on how to pronounce Italian. (laughs) Very helpful. That was nice, you know, for the parent who's maybe reading this book aloud to their child or for the child who is is reading some of these words and wondering um, how they sound. But then it's full of these great creative fun activities such as uh, making homemade paint and making ice sculptures using balloons and and learning how to cross hatch i thought that was excellent and um mm-hmm. soap carving and then even a, a little lesson on how to make a little cart like they would have made to move the statue of david so i just yeah. thought that that was such a helpful way to um introduce uh this history to children and make it interactive for them and have them learning um, creatively as well as their learning history. And but while I was reading that and just seeing how well that was done, I wondered um, how that got put together. Like, did you work with an, another artist in that area of the book? Did how much control did you have over the pictures in that area? It, it just all looked so wonderful. Well, the activity section, that's a feature that's in all of four kids' uh, series. Mm-hmm. And it's something new for me because in my uh, my series in, with um, Reformation Heritage, I don't do that. Now I'm thinking that maybe I should. <laughs> it's a great addition. I really did like that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was all new to me, and it, it was actually the most frustrating part. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, if, if that was hard to, yeah, to put it, I it don't you have pulled it part. off. Yeah. yeah, my kids are all uh, grown, and uh, well, I actually employed a couple of them, but and, uh, I had idea. my 24-year-old 20, son trying to do some of the things. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your age range, like your target age range for this book? Um, supposed to be nine to 12. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause my son is 11 and I was thinking, oh, he's yeah. going to love this book and, and the mm-hmm. artwork in there, of course, is, mm-hmm. it's done so well, um, published so well. Yeah. I'm looking at page 26 at the moment, which has, uh, Michelangelo's I think first Pieta, uh, yeah. on it. And of course that's when you go into St. Peter's in Rome, it's one of the first things you see. I remember walking through mm-hmm. the doors and being confronted by this, this this statue and being blown away by its remarkable, powerful beauty. 
mm-hmm. and then being stunned by the fact that Michelangelo was about 24, 23, yes, 24 when so he did this. You know, I was thinking when yeah. I was 24, I sitting on a couch, drinking beer, watching rugby. That was <laughs> my creative contribution. But it also, as I, as I look at this, uh, Simonetta, it, it raises a, a, perhaps a more philosophical question. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to know if you have any thoughts on this, but the role of beauty in education. Uh, mm. w- what role should beauty have in uh, teaching of our children? Mm. Well, I never thought about that, but I, I mean, I think it's, it's very important. I actually, I mean, I never uh, processed this thought, but I think with all my books, I've been trying to uh, convey it because I, my books, I, I always wanted to make them beautiful besides uh, uh, true and factual. Um, yeah, I think it just, uh, it's very important. I mean, I, I grew up in Italy. We grew up around beauty constantly and uh, I think it was very much part of our education um, I don't know if it's this so much anymore in uh, in schools today I think art appreciation is very important for kids just to, to learn to see beauty and um, and just yeah just admire what you know it's, it's a talent that God gives you to be able to create something like this it seems on that same topic it seems oftentimes that protestants have can have kind of a tortured relationship with art and and beauty Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes not knowing quite what to do with it again because of our cautions about um, setting up images in our in our worship sometimes i think we can have a, a bit of a of a tortured relationship i think there's some some recovery going on uh, from that, but it seems to me when I when I first saw that that you had done a book on Michelangelo, my very first thought was, "Oh, good, Protestants need more um, interaction with uh, with the great artists to once again kind of uh, fan our appreciation um, mm-hmm. and gratitude for uh, this sort of work." Yeah. yeah, yeah. One one question I have also is is did Moses really have horns? <laughs> and, and 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 where did where did those come from you know yeah well he he does but i think it's it's a controversial idea why he has them it was probably a misunderstanding of um, the the passage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the bible right, yeah right yeah something that's uh interesting about the moses though is um um recent uh, um, uh, restorers art restorers that mm-hmm. went to to restore the statue they found out that it, actually the the statue was turned to the side mm-hmm. that's a very interesting um idea there's so many mysteries about uh, michelangelo's work um why he did certain things and uh, and it seems like sometimes he went through a, a lot of work. He was very, very busy, but he went through a lot of work just to change plans. Yeah, and that's I, something that I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Is something I really noticed in reading it, is this propensity that he had to just abandon 
commissions yeah, that he had committed is. to for a better opportunity. Right. Yeah, uh, real character flaw, I would think. Um, yes, and yet and I, these I'm opportunities. Glad I was able to talk about some flaws for yeah. a change. <laughs> yeah, and I mean because, that's interesting yeah. for a children's book to put that yeah. in there too. Yeah, because with my other series, um, it's not that I'm trying not to put any flaws, but sometimes we just don't know because mm-hmm. the, uh, most of the people in the Christian um, history, we we erase all their flaws. But yeah, well, they're there. Yeah, that's why I hope no one will ever write my biography. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another interesting thing what you say with all the mysteries surrounding um, some of the choices in his art. But um, I believe you said in the beginning of the book that there were two biographies written on Michelangelo during his lifetime. Yes. And one of them he pretty much dictated. (laughs) Yes. But then you said that they weren't the most reliable. Why is that? Well, the one he dictated, he kind of... um change things slightly here and there <laughs> and um, we know because you know for example you would say this pope didn't pay me and then we found uh, somebody found the uh, uh, bank statement oh wow that, 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 wow yeah, that the, <laughs> wow that's did. interesting yeah so yeah so we know that he wasn't always telling the truth but <laughs> <laughs> Just to return to the the theme of beauty again, uh, yeah. Simonetta, mm-hmm. it seems to me that the Renaissance is is remarkable both for its beautiful graphic art and for its music. You know, the rise of Renaissance polyphony is mm-hmm. an important moment in Western music. Some of the most beautiful sacred music ever written uh, emerges from the Renaissance. Uh, I think Palestrina, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, to bring that up to date, quite often when you read the, the conversion stories of people moving from evangelicalism to Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. beauty plays a part. Mm-hmm. I think of Scott Hahn's wife's testimony that it was the beauty of the baptismal uh, mm-hmm. ceremony for one of her children that made her swim the Tiber. Now, I think I'm right in saying you were brought up as a Roman Catholic yourself mm-hmm. is that right and have come yes, to yes. to the protestant faith do you think there's something that protestantism can learn from roman catholicism relative to beauty in a sacred context it, it seems to me it's, it's something we don't mm-hmm. typically do well yeah yeah I, I mean i think um definitely i would not put uh, anything in the worship but um, I think worship is good as, you know, it's, it's good to keep it simple and uh, and Puritan, I guess, you know, it's very simple. I think that's the best. But apart from that, I mean, I think Protestants can learn about, you know, you can have works of art, you can have uh, um, art appreciation and music and uh, and. Uh, Focus on on beauty. I mean, like uh, Michelangelo, he he was was going for perfection actually, and I don't think it's really wrong to do that because you know sometimes we 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 tend to think it's wrong to go, go after perfection, but I think it's just whatever your uh, your calling is in this world, you do it as well as you can and I think he really did that 
he just went he wanted to do everything as 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 well as he could mm-hmm. yeah you can see it in everything he did in in uh, in his poetry and and that's another thing that some t- people don't know about michelangelo or maybe we don't pay attention to um i mean he worked long hours and he it, it wasn't just all talent mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to really work really ethic. work hard yeah. yes it's mm-hmm. uh he just he, he wanted to do something well he just did it well yeah. another and thing i noticed that you pointed out about his work ethic too is mm-hmm. and what i really appreciated is you gave little hints and clues of where he picked up some different skills and even where he uh, borrowed from other artists' styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was really helpful because, I mean, for yeah. such a, a, a genius, really, mm-hmm. of an artist, a talented man and very creative, um, mm-hmm. you know, even the best uh, unique thinkers have to, have to borrow and, yeah. and, and imitate others as well right. and, and yeah. incorporate that into their own style. I really yeah. appreciated how you did that. Yeah, that's another thing for children that I think is lost today, uh, the art of studying other yeah. masters and even copying. Because when he was young, he would go to churches and copy uh, masterpieces, and mm-hmm. he just actually copied them by hand. And uh, um, today, you know, we don't do that because mm-hmm. <laughs> we take a picture. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, good point. But I think it's really good. It's a very good exercise yeah. uh, to, to copy. Can, and, yeah. yeah, and then you can see how right. the other person did it. Right. Yeah. Uh, one question I've got. Um, how would you counsel parents who are wanting to expose their children to some of the great Renaissance art? How would you counsel them to talk to their kids about the, the nudity? You know, the, their kids mm. are going to be seeing this. Um, you know, what, what should parents say to their to their younger kids um, about that? Yeah, it's a bit of a problem here in America because <laughs> right, right. we've already messed it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in Europe it's we have it everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, kids walk around and they see um, <laughs> the yeah. statues everywhere, right, and right. it's you don't pay attention. It's not you. you your mind as right. you grow up, it just you learn to distinguish between nudity in art and, and pornography. Right. But here in America, you don't, so it's yeah. tough. And yeah. it's almost know. almost an equation in America where where nudity is always erotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even I, I had a, um, I introduced this book to um, some uh, fifth graders, three three classes of fifth graders, and uh, I had slides, and then uh, when I was showing them pictures, and I got to the David. Mm-hmm. There were some giggles, sure. and it was funny because they were old enough not to, you know. But, Are you but kidding me? Craters, <laughs> <laughs> there will be giggles. Yeah, there will be giggles. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I I have a, actually a section in the book about that because I was trying to to explain. I mean, in the past it was different. We we need to realize it was different. Mm-hmm. In Greece, the um, uh, athletes competed in the nude, and you would see it um, um, more often. 
in uh, in real life in right. other you know people would bathe in the nude right. and it wasn't a big thing mm-hmm. um and then when artists used uh, nudity many times they used it for a reason for a purpose and it wasn't um pornographic right. or it wasn't sexual um Michelangelo actually did one painting that is not in this book, obviously, that was um, more um, erotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, it's not in this book, but right. uh, sometimes they did, you know, uh, the Duke of Este wanted something like that, so he did. Um, but normally, when he had uh, nudity, it was, uh, um, you know, because. Uh, Adam was created yeah. without clothes or, or uh, um, in the last judgment when people come out to the graves. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I assume we're not going to have clothes, but I don't know. Um, I, that's a question. I don't know. <laughs> Italian. <laughs> Milanese designer clothes. I think, I think <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's what my wife hopes anyway. So, so. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, I don't know, uh, the the David had a different reason for the David. There was, the, uh, he was trying to show the that he was not only without an armor, he just had nothing. Right, right. You know, in fighting against the giant. Mm-hmm. So, he, he always had a reason right, right. behind it. So, if, maybe if we explain it that way, um, I think kids will understand. Mm-hmm. And it gives, hopefully, parents an opportunity to talk to their kids about uh, the good creation of humanity, that, that clothes yeah. are very good um, mm-hmm. since the fall. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, clothes are very good since the fall, and, and yet um, uh, to, to hopefully help them understand uh, the difference between, um, and of course this all depends on their age and their capability, the difference between uh, appreciation of great art and, and that which is intended for erotic purposes. Um, mm-hmm. We can help, hopefully, help our children um, ha- have an appreciation and an understanding of the differences there. Yeah, it is yeah. interesting. Simonetta's comment. I, I think I may have said this before on the program, but moving from Europe to America, yeah. it's interesting to me how there's less nudity on the television mm-hmm. in America. But I would regard mm-hmm. television as much more sexualized mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. It's very yeah. strange. The children people on are fully television. clothed, yeah. but yeah. it's very yeah. sexual in a way that yeah. it certainly wasn't. In the yeah. Britain I left 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's true. So, mm-hmm. One of the other yeah. great things about this book, Simonetta, is the recipe you give for garlic bread. <laughs> I think it's page uh, 112. Oh, I, I, wanted uh, to, I, I wanted to destroy this uh, this um, image of garlic bread that they have in America. It looks fantastic. <laughs> well, like, um, like the Olive Garden, right? It's get, just like the Olive Garden. <laughs> we're going to get Amy to make us some at lunchtime. We feel that's a proper womanly task and uh, when she's not fetching us the coffee, yeah, she can uh, cook us some garlic bread. Take a three-hour recess here yeah. and, and, and make and some bread. The lis- and the listeners need to know that, that this recipe is coming from a, a, a genuinely Italian uh, <laughs> mother. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the real thing. Yeah. How do you pronounce that t- the, the word? Fetunta? Fetunta? Oh, fetunta, yeah. Fetunta. Excellent. Fetunta. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and have some fetunta today. I think it's better if I get Carl and Todd to make the fetunta. <laughs> that, that's a lot funner to say than garlic bread, too. So. Yeah, How do you say fetunta. fetch the coffee in Italian? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 No, so I can tell the guys to do that for me. Yeah. Well, as Carl's already mentioned, we... Uh, 
we're very excited about this book. We are so appreciative of Simonetta's uh, contribution to children's literature. Again, uh, the series that she has from Reformation Heritage Book, we, we've plugged it a number of times on this program, and, and we'll continue to, to plug those books. But now this new venture, Michelangelo for Kids, uh, it is a beautiful book. It's extremely well done, as, as we've already talked about. It's interactive, which is a big strength of it. Uh, and so we encourage uh, you parents to uh, to get that as well. Um, please check out our, our website, mortificationofspin.org. Subscribe uh, to us on, on iTunes. And uh, please consider uh, making a, a donation since we are uh, donor-supported. And um, we are uh, having a free offer of three copies of Simonetta's new book, Michelangelo uh, for Kids. If you go to the website, you'll see um, how you can put your name in the hat for, uh, for a free copy of Michelangelo uh, for Kids from Simonetta Carr. And Simonetta, we want to thank you so much for taking the time um, all the way over in California to get up early in the morning and uh, spend some time with us and talk about this new wonderful book. Uh, thank you so much for coming on with us. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, the next time, uh, we look forward to uh, having uh, you back in and, and listening to Mortification of Spin. Uh, appreciate so much uh, you spending time with us today. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling, ting-a-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Bravo, John! Hearts will play, tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a gay darandella. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about that Luther effectively shunted women into the private space of the household. Praise about that, Lord. Even with, with how we think about women and her connection to the household now, when you look at Lord Katie's responsibilities that she had, she was a businesswoman. She was she had a lot of freedom in that marriage. What Reformation did through its theology and its understanding of the word was it placed preaching at the center of the church's life. And and the re requirements that those who preach be, be trained and, and ordained within the church, the kind of radical individualism that perhaps you see among the radical reformers, Luther would have rejected, I would imagine. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Hey, Simonetta, okay. before you go, I got a question. Yeah. Um, how do you say bald and bitter in uh, Italian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a saying. Oh, <laughs> man. The Italians are much better Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well That's yeah. just an American yeah. trait. The, the Italian women are so much more classy than American Englishmen. women. That's why. Right. <laughs> I don't think they, they make fun of bald people. Yes. <laughs> That's where we need to be. That is where we need to be. That's where you have to be. <laughs>